The next African story will be written by Africans. Meet the people using technology, innovation, and entrepreneurship to craft this new narrative. This is Building the Future Podcast with your host, Dalton, coming up today on Building the Future. The six of you. Six founders is a lot. What's the dynamics like? Very easy. We all went to the same university. There's three on Piggy Bank. And there are three working on Push CV? There's two. Two working, working on Push CV. What happened to the front desk? Oh, you have another That's product. The upcoming one. It's not what we started out wanting to do, it's what we ended up doing, and we're pretty proud of it, you know. Our investors should take just a teasy bit more risk. Okay. A teasy bit. Just bet on more people, bet on more industries, bet on more unfamiliar terrain. This series is in partnership with the British Council in Nigeria. The British Council is the UK's international organization for cultural relations and educational opportunities. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion or policies of the British Council. For more information about the British Council, go to britishcouncil.org.ng. Do you have an offer, a product, service, or message that would be ideal for entrepreneurs, investors, or corporate executives across Africa? Building the Future podcast can help you. This podcast has been sponsored by partners who want to reach super-targeted audience of investors, entrepreneurs, and people who are in the process of starting their own business. If you or your company is interested in reaching those audiences, through this podcast we would like to chat with you we have sponsorship slots from three episodes up to one year send me an email via hello at the starter.com that is h-e-l-l-o at t-h-e-s-t-a-r-t-a dot com and we can take this further my guest today is Odunayo Iweniye. She's a co-founder at Piggy Bank. Piggy Bank enables people to save and get a very good, decent, competitive interest rates on the back of it. The vision behind it is to enable people to have financial freedom. And I'm sure she's going to be talking about that in this podcast. Odunayo, I've actually known her a bit since I started interacting with the Nigerian tech ecosystem, even though we've not spoken for a bit of time. But I've always known about her, about what she's doing, what she co-founded, Push CV, and so many other products that they've done on the back of that as well. Odunaya, since she graduated from Covenant University in 2013, has been involved in the startup ecosystem in Nigeria, either as a writer or community manager, social media person, and now becoming a co-founder on her own. I think there's a story there. There's a big lesson there for people that are joining startup as a social media person and just from the lower entry point. You can also become a founder. You can also pursue your dream. And today, I have Odunaya building a good business that in many respects, and from everybody I've heard about, she's doing a fantastic job at it. So, Dwayo, welcome to Building the Future. Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. So, I want to start from your vision behind Piggy Bank. It's a very interesting business. I have some views about it, especially in regards to defensibility of the business in the long run. But I'm super interested in the vision and behind that business on its own. Okay. So, financial freedom as a thing is something that people throw around all the time. You know, financial independence, financial freedom. But when you really go deep into what it means... 
In this part of the world, especially in Nigeria, data shows that less than 2% of Nigerians have achieved financial freedom. So what is it exactly? It's very simple. When you want to get something for yourself, whether it's rent, whether it's want some, any of your big responsibilities, can you afford it immediately because you already have that amount? Many people's answer is no. Fairly so, you know, because we live in a country with a very weak economy. Wages are not as competitive as they should be. And, you know, so our currency is weak. So many disadvantages, right? So people have to save up. People have had to save up from the beginning of uh, the country as it is. So usually you see that if you want to make your rent, as opposed to the Western world where they cannot just look for first and last month's rent, a Nigerian, an average Nigerian has to look for a year's rent or two years rent in advance, right? And in my personal experience and my co-founder's personal experience, which is where this product really came from, it was very difficult. And the product is specifically targeted at young people, the upcoming people. Really, we are the ones who are left holding the bag. Not to get too political, but nothing is like really being left for us right now. You have to fight for everything you want. And one of the things you really want is financial stability. We want to give everyone a chance to achieve that. That's really what Piggy Bank is about. So Piggy Bank enables you to be able to save consistently. Yes. Now, so the challenge with that is saving is a culture. Yes. Is Piggy Bank enabling and encouraging that culture or making people to build that culture? Because you can save in a bank. You can bank that well if existed and people are not saving normally, they're not going to save because there's an app that enables them to save. Um, let me explain what it does a little bit like a brother. So Piggy Bank exists to make you save, not just hold your money. Right? So when you go to a bank, you will get an ATM card, you will get a withdrawal slip, you will get a checkbook. And there's no one that stands between you and your money in a bank, right? So the difference between a bank and piggy bank is, piggy bank is technology, right? And you would sign up if you really want to save. So we have four free withdrawal days in a year. So you put your money with us, you can only access it for free four times in a year. Now, those four times are once in a quarter. You can either use piggy bank specified dates or you can set your own quarterly withdrawal dates. So on those days, you can access all or part of your funds for free. But outside of those days, we actually charge you a 5% breaking fee. So if you saved 100,000 naira and you want to take out 50,000 naira on a day that is not a withdrawal day, we will charge you 5%. So of what you're withdrawing. Of what you're withdrawing of that 50,000 naira that you want to take out. So you're forcing an habit of saving. Yes. And we've been doing this since 2016. And I can tell you, and social media and our website and piggy bank stories will back it up that the results have been phenomenal. People have begun to build that culture because even though right now you have to connect your card and your bank account to piggy bank for you to be able to save, people can testify that it just becomes a thing that you don't think about. You get the money just goes one day, you just log into your piggy bank app and you have this mass of money that you've saved without thinking about it. So the whole thing about saving is you can do it if you find the right conditions to do it. So you're providing an incentive yes. and also the decent incentive for you to withdraw. Exactly. So the stick and the carrot, that's what piggy bank is enabling. Yeah. Now let's go back to the fundamental reason behind this. You said that one of the major reasons is because people cannot afford some of the high expenses that yeah. they're faced with housing, maybe a car or school fees. All of that, yeah. And that's a function of the economy. Mm-hmm. Right. So... And because it's a function of the economy, it means that a lot of people do not have disposable income to save in the first place. Understood. But that's the thing about it. Piggy bank allows you to save as low 
as you want. You can save 100 naira a day. But would I enable you to buy those high expensive? People have expenses? targets on people have targets on piggy bank. So when you come and save on piggy bank, you have a target. We would have calculated it for you based on the amount you can afford to put aside. So high expenses for me can be a car. High expenses for you can be a dining set. How long how much is an average car? An average car. I don't know. I don't drive, so okay, I can't maybe, tell. Maybe, let's say 2 million naira. Yeah. Okay, so uh, your average um, target audience, how much are they earning in a year? Um, the average income in Nigeria for people who are between the ages of, what, 22 to 35 is about 70 to 150,000 naira. Okay, so that's about um, 1.8 million naira a year. How long will it take you to save depends to buy on, a car? Depends on you. So what we do, we do offer financial advisory as a service where you call in and we can tell you, oh, this is what we think will work for you based on this. But the point is, if you logged on to Piggy Bank today and say, I want to save 2000 naira every week, it will show you that by the end of 365 days, this is what you would have saved. By the end of two years, this is what you would have saved. So you can adjust your savings based on those calculations. We won't tell you you must save this because I believe like everyone is in different brackets. So if you come and 100 naira a day is what you can afford, that's probably because by the end of 365 days, you don't mind seeing 36,500. So it's catering to everyone based on their needs. Savings is deeply personal, right? And so we're approaching it from that regard where you do you right? You set your own targets. Eventually, I'm sure we would move into partnerships with organizations that can offer prepayments and all of that. But right now, we're just focused on people cultivating that habit, perfecting the savings, and then we'll move on to like value adds and all of that. So definitely you've proven the model. You've shown that people can save and want to save if they're given the right enablement to do yeah. it. How many people are on your platform? 36,000 and something. I didn't check the dashboard before coming over 36, here. Over so, 36,000 yeah. people are currently saving on... No, over 36,000 people are registered. At every particular 30 days, we have 11,500 people actively saving. Okay. So the, the number like varies a little, but in 30 days... You have 11,500 people who have actively That's saved. a pretty interesting business. So let's talk about how much they're saving, how much you have under management. So we, we had a great 2017, and we wrote this whole uh, 2017 year in review. We had a pretty interesting year. So in 2016, when we started, we started in January, but officially launched in April. By December 2016, we had saved 21 million naira. And we revealed that to the press because we thought it was a pretty decent number. But by the end of December 2017, we had saved almost a billion naira. Wow. Which is over 3,000% increase in what we saved in 2016. So it's for us, that was like a huge victory. So for the whole year, 1 billion naira. Almost. Been, almost 1 billion shy naira of a billion, has, yes. been, has, been, has been saved on the platform. Of yeah. course, there's some withdrawals as well. Oh, yeah. No, no. With the asset under management number, I can't mm. reveal exactly mm-hmm. for privacy purposes, but we have a decent amount of that under management as well. So the withdrawal days, like I said, we have to plan for those. So we have like the whole predictive analysis model how much would they withdraw how much would be left but the fact that we were able to do that in deposits from people who already have bank accounts is something that we believe proves the fact that look people really want to save and if given an avenue to they will so there's so many things that we'll explore financially that we now believe that if people are given an avenue to do they will do so piggy bank will not just be 
you will not be limited to savings. There's a whole world of financial responsibility and fiscal responsibility out there that the product can explore, especially when it comes to millennials. Let's talk about the business model. Okay. What is, how do you make money from this? So we make money from asset under management. Just like we have partners across banks. Basically, that is super self-explanatory. What do you have under management right now? You use that to make money. And all you just have to do is make sure you have enough in cash for liquidity purposes and withdrawal purposes and have enough invested in, you know. So do you invest in treasury bills or you invest or just give it to bank and then you hope that they will give you more? Because so we have a partner bank for CBN regulation purposes. So we have a partnership with, we had a partnership with UBA. We now have a partnership with an MFD, which we just acquired a stake in. A microfinance bank. Yeah, so we just acquired a stake in it and we will reveal the details as soon as the, the and all the DD holder was finally completed. So we acquired a stake in that just for the financial management purposes. Usually what we do, we do invest in treasury bills. We also do some other financial instruments and we pass on the bulk of the interest that we gain onto the users as interest. So we give pretty decent um, interest. We give 8% a year for auto-save users and we give about 11% for people who save using SafeLock. Right. Is that more than what a bank can give? Right now, yeah. How come you're able to give more than a bank can give? We also have linear operations than a bank. So okay, so that's your, the your banking is based on your operating uh, cost is cheaper than a bank. Way, way cheaper. Is that the advantage or that you're investing in a different instrument? And We're not investing in different instruments. Basically the same as the banks. But a bank has to have, what, a million stuff. They have to have all of these things. But that's the advantage that tech gives you. So do you think that you can outcompete banks in a investment? investing and getting returns or saving your costs um, because the assumption is that banks um, overhead will always be overblown and will always be a lot that they cannot compete with Agreed. you because of that. Is, uh, well, that. is that a major? I think a bank's overhead costs because of the nature of it being a bank will always be high and a tech startup who, that has found a way to make tech work for it will always be able to keep TM costs low. What about if they say digital bank that comes in that can do everything a bank can do but except that they are online and then now they are labeling saving their due. the hope is that we will become that bank okay so that's the goal yeah okay so but the other bit is still that i'm not sure how you come more competitive than bank because you're incurring transaction costs we are banks are not incurring that yeah okay banks have more overhead but banks can create a division to be doing exactly what you're doing they can. And have that overhead the reduced. The disadvantage with the bank creating exactly what we're creating is the exclusion that they don't want to create. So now, I don't know how familiar you are with Nigerians, but if a bank creates something, or a particular bank creates something, they're almost immediately excluding people from other banks. Yes. Okay. So the neutrality is an advantage, right? No matter what you do, if you're affiliated closely with a bank. Because it's a cabal. And exactly. Pro- and it's very so, protectionist. So yeah, the, 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 exa- exactly, exactly. So the thing is, on the surface of it, it seems like uh, it's so simple. Banks can do it. Sure, they can. But they want to do it for their customers. Yeah, exactly. And even if they didn't want to do it for their customers, they would end up still having to do it for their customers just by the nature of Nigerians not wanting to give their money to a bank that they don't trust in quotes. Right? So neutrality... And being able to stand on your own is an advantage. And then the other thing is right now, statistically, Nigerians super hate banks right now. Super hate banks. So one of the things that we are being very careful with at Piggy Bank is customer service. The culture of Piggy Bank is humanity, right? When you call for a problem, the person who is solving your problem knows you, right? Can see your savings. 
And the relation that you have with the person is like you're talking to your friend who is holding your money. We don't let it go until your problem is solved fully. Because the company is still growing, we are trying to really, really protect that culture as we grow larger. So the humanity of the way you relate with your consumers is another thing that I think that corporations have lost. So you see that as a competitive advantage yeah, I do, over actually. banks. And the fact that banks work in silos and then you decrease exclusivity. And then the fact that they have to have branches and a lot of them are still wholly traditional and so paper-based. So the whole digital nature is something that we can make work for us. Now, that may not sound like enough defensibility, but as someone who has worked in this space for two years, it is everything. I can tell you with like all confidence, it is everything. We've seen products rise up and try, but a cursory assessment of the internet will tell you the whole story. It is hard to maintain the camaraderie that you have with your first set of users with your first 30,000 users, your first 100,000. But right now we have done that and we are growing and we will continue to do that. Okay, so let's talk about how we started. Okay. okay, you were part of a group that was doing initially another startup. But I want to go way, way back before when okay. you completed your university education at Covenant University. What you studied? I studied computer engineering. Computer engineering which enabled you to be able to know how to code, how to write. No, I do not know how to code. No, very basic coding knowledge. So when you finished, university was quite good, by the way. So (laughs) nice guys have come out of that university. What did you, how did you get involved in a startup ecosystem? Why didn't you get a job somewhere else? You came out with a very good degree, right? Yeah, I came out with the first class. Pretty interesting. But the thing about it is, to be honest, when you achieve a certain grade in secondary school, people just assume you'll be a science student. It doesn't matter whether you like the arts or the social sciences. It's just an assumption. So I went with it. The only thing I knew for sure going into university was that I didn't want to be a medical doctor. Any other thing was up for debate. So I studied computer engineering as in science. But I, at that point, I still didn't know whether I was going to be a computer engineer in practicing or whether I was just going to go and lecture. I'm very passionate about education and at some point I will go back to that. But so those were the only two clear things. So when I came out, I had some job interviews scheduled, some with a corporation, some with a small writing outfit. So I'd come back from an interview. I was on my way back. I was walking down the road and I'd gotten the job, but I still wasn't sure I wanted to take it because you were just fresh out of school. I literally graduated two weeks before. And as I was walking, one of my friends from university kind of leaned out of a window and was like, Odwire. And then I entered and then he told me that he was running. He was in a car and he no, called him. No, he was, he was in the house. I was, was walking it? by the house in okay. an estate. I didn't know he lived there. And he just said, Odwire, come inside, come inside. So I entered. And it was Somto, who is now our CEO and lead developer, super good. And he said, ah, we're working on this startup. Then they were working on a discount card startup for companies. And he said to join them. So I did. I joined them. And So you left the job offer? Go. And you just listened to these guys talking about having a startup, no money, just an idea. Yeah. What made you make that jump? So Somto in university had always been very enterprising. When we were in 200 level, he built a food ordering platform for the cafeteria. It was never really implemented, but it was super impressive. And he also built a tiny model airplane that actually flew. So I was like, eh, you know what? I'll take my chances with this guy. And so I joined. I did social media. I did some operations, you know, just lots of different things in the startup. But what was interesting about it was at that time, I also got an interview 
with Bankole of Tech Cabal. He gave me my first shot at like going in depth into the ecosystem. So I was working simultaneously at Tech Cabal and Paroles till 2014. So in 2014, Sumto started working on an idea and it was an employment idea which I thought was brilliant, was helping people write their CVs because one of the things he'd observed was when people sent CVs badly written, badly arranged. So he created something called CV Flash. What happened to the original idea? Of no, we were still discount. working on it. We were still on it when he was doing that. So he's a product builder. He, yeah, he, he just likes he, to build exactly. new products. Yeah, you, ha- you actually have it fully pegged. So yeah, he built that and he needed help with it. So I started helping him write CVs as well because it was one of like really good at weird things like that, writing, changing grammar, rearranging CVs. And so the customers started asking, you guys are helping us rewrite these CVs. Can you help us send them to employers as well? So the writing CV was not a product, it was a service. Yes, just a service. It was just there to just send your CV in, pay, we write, we send back to you. Pay, we write, we send back to you. So when they said, please help us send it to employers, we decided, okay. Maybe that's something that is worth looking to. And that's literally how Push CV. So you built Push CV based on customer on, demand. Yes, on customer demand. And that's the one thing that's constant in all our products. It's just usually what customers say. So we started Push CV and started uh, sending CVs to some employers. Really, we just free open uh, job adverts. And there was Jobberman. And lots of people were like, how are you different from Jobberman? So we had a task, right? Be different from Jobberman. So... We were still working on sending CVs to employers, sending CVs to employers. Then candidates used to pay for credits. So one credit is one like one CV sent out and things like that. Would the candidate indicate which employer they wanted you to send? No, or? they just indicated the kind of job they wanted ah. and some specifications. And then we'll send it based on that kind of pretty smart system. So we worked on that for a while until... March 2014. Uh, so at that time, it started becoming clear that maybe Nigeria wasn't ready for a discount card. We kind of started to focus more on Push CV, which I was the now a co-founder of. What was the idea of the discount card? It was just kind of like a loyalty card, you know, but we would make it for different businesses. So if you had, if the company was called Paroles. If you had the Paroles card, you could use that this business, that business, that business to get a specified amount of discounts from them. That was basically the idea. I think some companies are doing it right now and like maybe taking off. You know, yeah, because but, the payment has been solved. Yes, because that, now, that, exactly. that product couldn't fly because, because of the no payment. Exactly, payment. exactly. So we moved on to push CV by then. And so we started. So then we found a differentiator. Instead of advertising and letting all 300 and something people who need a job send their CV to one person, how about they send it to you first? You screen them and send only the best to the employer. So that's how... So we became the site for pre-screened candidates as opposed to just a job site. So you're not charging the employers rather than charging the people that use Exactly. So Because uh, what employers want is not thousands of CVs. CVs. They just want good CVs. They really. want good ones. So that's how we started. Then in August, we had constituted a team and then we met Mr. Olumide who gave us our first investment. So before then, you guys just tinkering away and yeah. building stuff. Yeah. And then you met Olumide Shoyomba. Yeah, we actually applied with Push CV to Lead Path. He invited us for a meeting. We went. How many are you then? Okay, so we are like a giant team of six. But at the meeting, we were just, four of us went. So we had a conversation with Mr. Olumide and his partner. And he got back to us that he really was interested. 
How so much he, check did he write? He gave us $25,000. Which was a lot of money. I, oh, yeah. It was more money than I'd ever seen, certainly. So it was really good, considering the fact that we'd been bootstrapping. Then he also gave us office space, which was right smack in the center of Yaba, which is the ecosystem. So really opened up like a lot of... Well, the knowledge that we have now, working from there, meeting other startups, you know, realizing that this is not an isolated journey. Lots of people are doing what you're doing and things like that. So and it was and really it's very good process. for him to support at that point. I know you spoke glowingly about him just before we came on, about how he just wrote a check, trusted you guys. He, and yeah, just he basically went with his gut because the product had 10,000 users. And more than the website and the fact that we were going to send pre-screen seeds, we didn't have very much else going on. But I think maybe there's something he heard, which like kind of spread into like, okay, bring these guys in. Because he did bring us in. And one of the things that he did for us that was really perfect was just letting us have our own way. And I already told you all about that. Like, But like, yeah, he really did that. Like, okay, you guys are here now, but you are running the company. I'm not the one running the company. So do it. So we would give him numbers, like, this is our target. When we don't reach it, he would say, why didn't you reach it? And then we had to, like, examine our operations. And because he really believed in us, really spurred us on to find, like, much cheaper, much faster solutions to our growth problem. So we did that. In February of 2015, it was when we did the Elite Employee Quest. Yeah, the Elite Employee Quest that took PushCV from a database of 25,000 users to a database of over 600,000 people in four weeks what was that there was a competition kind of all of that allowance for creativity really helped us with that and so pre-screening thing now became a huge giant deal where all we do is send you 10 bring your job people would apply would screen them based on willingness ability availability location and just give you don't have interviews with those guys at that point you just send no we don't have interviews we just screen them yeah we screen them manually screen no, no, no. We have an algorithm called Smart Select. When people apply, Smart Select to select the best people, then you now begin to call those people. So there is a manual aspect to it. So if they have a job for like Nigeria, if you put a job up, 324 people at the very least, surely if it's a customer service position. So Smart Select will look at that 324 based on the available job description from the employer. Really, okay, so 25 or 30. Then you now begin to check their CVs or confirm details from them. Are you available? Are you still employed? Are you in Lagos? Are you willing to relocate to Lagos? Then you screen them down, whittle them down to the best 10 and send. And the employers pay per CV or yes. they just pay for the service Well, total? it depends. We have people who pay for the service in total. We have people who pay for CV. We also have a free CV sending. So if you're an employer who doesn't mind 300 CV, please you are allowed to put the job on the platform and people can just apply to you. But if you're someone who like wants targeted CVs and you pay us for the service, we'll send you. So you move from there to Piggy Bank. Piggy Bank. How did that happen? So Push CV became self-sufficient by I think the end of 2015-ish. What do you mean by self-sufficient? Ramen profitable. Okay, so it was making enough money to cover its cost, but not the salary of everybody working on it. It was covering the salaries of people we employed, but we hadn't yet started over-earning or earning anything per se. So it was covering all of that, but there was more work to be done, right? So we decided, okay, look, after you get these people their jobs, how that's the end of the interaction. But there's more you can do for them, right? So on December 31st of 2015, people on social media 
which were very active on, um, were talking about wooden boxes. So someone had saved a thousand naira a day that year and broke that box December 31st with 365k. I was like, there's a way we can tap into this. So, so that wasn't me, that was Josh. Josh kept on like, there's a way we can do this that can make this process better. And this is what we've been looking for. So after we get a job for people, we asked why, what else? This is what else. You can help them save their salary. And he said that December 31st, by mid-January, version one of the product was writing. So that was how it came. That's interesting. So you listened to what people are talking about. You knew that there's a trend that yeah. you can write on and you have a vision of this. Of these things. So uh, incidentally, we'd also had a lot of problems saving money. I think December 2015, we're all pretty broke. financially broke. Yeah, that's the word, broke. So he said, let's digitize this process because the tweet is still there. If only there were a way to digitize this color process. So he came to WhatsApp. And then there was a whole conversation, you know, where I'm usually like the pessimist in the group. Like, will this work? Won't people, you know, devil's advocate? But in the end, there's a consensus. I think this is something that we can try out. And it wasn't like you were trying to replicate. It wasn't like you were trying to replicate this, which a lot of people have tried to do no. and couldn't crack. This, this, this was about you as a person. This was about you and your... Group savings are great when you've cracked personal savings. Dig it. And lots of people look at Esusu and are like, yes, Esusu. But the people who do Esusu, who are our moms, as people who have already cracked personal savings. I know my mom does group savings, but I also know that when she begins to bring out bundles of cash from this place and that place and that place, it's like, how did you even do this? Like, But then again, when I was growing up, no one really said save. No one really said, I used to discuss the stock market with my dad, but later when it crashed, that was the end of that conversation. And so it was like, you know, no one really told me anything about it. I'm just really flying blind here. So when Joshua said that, see, this can fix a lot of people. So I was like, yeah, what of the banks? And that was the argument he gave me. Have you ever been able to successfully save in a bank? I said, kind of. But did you touch the money before you wanted to touch it? Yeah. With no penalties because, you know, you're just taking it from yourself. And so, yeah, so the whole thing was we, we hadn't even figured out the money-making process yet. Just just want to help people to save yes. and solve so, the problem. Yes, exactly, and exactly. The so mid-January, V1 was open. We beta-tested it, shut it down to perfect the product. Then it was when Paystack had just launched. It was great to really, like, start with them. And then by April, full rollout, and, you know. That's the rest of the and story. And that's the story. And then you started yeah. growing numbers. Yeah. So when did you then start figuring out the business model? The, the business model came really the following year. So that was last year. And that's another reason why Mr. Mede is a great investor. I'm just going to keep going back to his name because he kind of let us ride that wave. Like, look, let's perfect getting people to use the platform. Build it. They will come. Money will follow. And so we were doing the whole, okay, get people to love the product, then figure it out. So we figured out the money-making part, the asset under management, which I didn't even know asset under management as a concept. I like I knew that, okay, this was going to end up being, I didn't know it was a thing that had a name and things like that. So you begin to research. We began to research the money-making aspect towards the end of 2016. And we perfected it in February of So initially, people are just saving and they would get the exact amount that they saved. Yeah. That was the idea. Yeah, they still do that. They still get By the way, though, we didn't talk about your business model. So let's say people that locked down the savings, mm. 11%. No, actually, we get them 25%. Yeah, you get up to 25% if you say club for up to 1,000 days. So 1,000 okay. days will give you 25%. Okay, but let's say a year. Mm. Okay. Let me see. A year How do you make money? Uh, the money-making process for that is still... Re- we figured out one revenue stream. 
we're figuring out more. So what is the one revenue stream? I say under management, investing in instruments. You invest in instruments, so yeah. and then you're able to give them some percentage and so take we've, some out of We've that always well. been giving them interest. We've always known we wanted to give interest. In 2016, even when the money-making aspect was not f- solid, people were still getting, um, what's it called, 4% interest, right? Getting, people were still getting 4%. That was 1% annually. Then we increased it. Then we increased it. Like, one thing was clear. We wanted to give them more than the banks were currently giving them. Yeah, which is weird because then you... Okay, you, ma- you mentioned at the beginning that um, because you're leaner than banks, your cost is lower. That's why you can Oh, pay. no, we also used some of our own money as part of, like, the interest payments. Like, our own money. Because the, it you're was... Using your own money to yeah. pay people? We use like... No, not personal money. I understand the business money. From, yeah, the business money that we had made from... From uh, using from, their own... From, no, from Sharp Hire. No, so this was why? way before. Okay, way before you started. So okay. we knew so you that were, we... Okay, yeah. you, want, you have a promise to them that yes. we're going to pay you more than banks. Yeah, we're going to pay you interest. Because you've not figured out how your business model yet. You are, you're just paying the difference between the interest that you earn from their money and what you promised them. Exactly. So okay. we did that. We did that. Then when we figured it out, we're now able to do proper calculations, proper models to pay back the interest, which is really great. Because like one of the things that they will tell you is if we say this is what's going to happen... If you say we're going to build an app, you will get an app. People like, and one of the things that has happened is that they can take ownership of the platform because features are built because of them. We don't build, the only thing that was built before the users was the piggy bank core product itself. Quick save, like someone receiving a large amount of money and wanting to put aside in their piggy bank was solely because the users were suggesting and asking for it. Safe flock was from one user saying, ah, I can still withdraw my money i don't want to be able to withdraw it at all that's how safe lock was born so all of the like features and like the extras are like usually based on look the piggy bank stories this the referral program was born out of them asking how can i earn while telling people about piggy bank because i'm basically working for you guys so we created something like that so i think there's something to be said from listening and not just not cursory listening deeply listening to the people who use your product yeah yeah, yeah. like it, actually that's one of the only things you should do yeah that makes sense so you figured out your business model you're able to start making money so what is the what is the lifetime value what is the value of a customer within a year well specific numbers hmm, that's tricky specific numbers are tricky but what we can say is we on a customer's monthly savings we can make monthly too about 13 to 15 percent transfer eight percent to the customers and keep the remaining seven okay so you can make of monthly if to, to, the savings, so let's say i save the savings hundred thousand naira a month every month yeah how much can you make from that again it depends on this whole thing is kind of complex it depends on what you when your duration of savings okay let's say i'm saving that for a year okay cool so what happens is we don't invest the whole pool of funds at once because like you have to have some sort of liquidity so we would invest what half or more than half depending on the month it is withdrawal months you have to invest less non-withdrawal months you do more and then we invest we get the returns every month you get returns every month well yeah depending on your frequency of investment actually is how you get the returns okay so right i don't get that so invest mm. usually when you invest in instruments returns are up Returns are upfront. Yeah, What's actually, in T bills, returns are upfront. So if you put hundred million naira in T bills, you get that. You start getting returns. You get your returns in front. Not there's only one one return from T bills for the duration. So you get it upfront. 
and so, then the capital returns on a particular day. Right. So if I keep put hundred thousand on the millionaire on, yeah. on TPS and they're promising me fifteen percent. Yeah, you get I, your fifteen percent upfront. I will get my uh fifteen million yeah, upfront. upfront. Yeah. And then your hundred million will return at the end of a year automatically. Right. So, so you can then play on that kind of stuff. Exactly. Okay, so I put hundred thousand dollars mm. hundred thousand naira mm. on your platform. I'm doing it for a year. Yeah. How much would I how much would I make at the end of that year? So and how much would you make? So I would have saved to one one point two million naira. Yeah, you'd have saved one point two million naira and we would have given you what about eight percent of that in interest. You give me as I'm going on or at the end of this? No, we program? give you at the end of every quarter. Mm. So it's staggered quarterly. Okay, you put it in my savings or you give it to me? You put it in your savings. Okay. The great thing is interest day is after withdrawal day, right? So after withdrawal, you get interest on your remaining savings. But I'm not withdrawing the money. If you don't withdraw the money, then you get your first two, then you get another one, then you get another one, then you get another one. Right. 8% is what I make. What we make depends really on market behavior. So I cannot really give a particular number. Right. So it's like heavily dependent on market behavior, but we keep it constant for the users. Okay. Just like banks can do. Yeah. So um, treasury bills is one of your instruments. Yeah, what are instruments? The Properties? rest are based on, no, 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 not on real estate yet. It's, you don't do real estate? We don't estate. do real estate, not just yet. So it's take a meeting of the founders to decide if that's one of the fields we will enter into. But if because we were it's to, very hard to liquidate. Yeah. To, and if we were to enter into real estate, it will not be, we will not enter into real estate on behalf of the customers. It will be something that we'll present to them. Are you interested as a person investing in this? Got it. You get exactly. Got it. Got it. So Are you interested in saving way, and joining and yeah, buying? as a okay. way of also leading the customers from just saving to investing. Does that make you to becoming like ARM investment company, uh, a mutual fund? Would that would that be leading you to that kind of stuff? No, not really. We would always just be a broker, not. But well, if you are presenting investment opportunities mm-hmm. directly. No, not we would be presenting investment opportunities from someone. We are the middleman to our users, like kind of like a marketplace. Okay, think about it like that. Okay, well, okay. we're talking about the future now. Yeah, anyway, let's talk about now. So you invest on their behalf. Yes. Right. What sort of instrument do you invest in? Usually based on the advice of our partners. You have investment partners. Yes. Who so, tell you invest in this instrument? Yeah, yeah. So the one that we can read for ourselves right now, Treasury Bills, is something that we have a lot of experience with. We can read it for ourselves. But if there's ever a need to diversify the portfolio, then we now begin to ask for advice. So every month you are always investing in Treasury Bills, so every day? No, right now we do it, we do it fairly regularly monthly, fairly regularly. And you do your asset under management with us, so... On a, on a particular point, you might be investing hundred million now. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. So the thing about it is, the big thing about piggy bank is that we, what's it called? We study customer behavior before doing anything. So even though we spent the whole twenty sixteen not making any money because we were studying how do they behave and how would it be the best way for the company to then monetize. Even though it's the second year. We, ha- we are still really still observing customer behavior. And why, like, of course, in the baby steps of the revenue aspect, obviously based on more customer data, more better like models about how they behave, you can now pinpoint, okay, this revenue stream is best here, this revenue stream is best there, and things like that. But it all boils down to understanding the users, their needs, their behavior, and then making that work for you eventually for them. 
How big is your team now? Well, Piggy Bank on its own is about seven people. How is the structure like? Obviously, you move. You're still having the sharp eye or push CV. Yeah. And you almost like have like a group. Yeah, so we do. Sharp eye, yes. But Piggy Bank has now been spun out and incorporated on its own. Or separately? Yes, for ease of, uh, for investors. Okay, so, and then the, the investors in the push CV have shares in piggy bank exactly so they are the founders of it piggy bank or you still have individual founders we, we do for um investor comfort there has to be individual faces there is a whole internal agreement with our group that we represent the interests of Shapire group in piggy tech got it so that way you don't have to make tough decision about who is going to be the founder at piggy bank because the six of you you all have is it equal or how do you uh, fairly equal Six founders is a lot. How do you <laughs> how do you do that? What's the dynamics like? Very easy. We all went to the same university. We've all been friends for over eight years. And so you have um, guys, and and you, are you the only lady? Or no, you I two, went two girls, two and girls, four and, guys, and the two, and you all of you are working full time on the business. Yes. So all along, when you're not making money, everybody was just streaming along, and you see, actually that's good because six people means that you have enough staff. Yeah, we do. We do. And so, yeah, and we also are able to go lean because of that as well. So it works for us very well, actually. And everybody so, is in, not that somebody's trying to look for a job or no, trying to no, leave. No. So when you don't have money to pay, everybody just go you uh, we all together. Fix up, you know. Right. So the six of you now, you now have is it three that has gone to or, piggy bank? There's three on piggy bank. That are working on piggy bank yes. and they're the face of the investment. Yes. And there are three working on push CV. There's two. To work on what the front desk. Oh, you have another That's product. The upcoming one. It's upcoming. Okay, so you have three products. That's an interesting kind of way in which you structure this, and because a lot of people will be concerned about having what you call startup incubator, because you have. I mean, and and some of the models have worked. Worked. Yeah. Um, uh, like uh, Rocket was a good example, and I said that one in the stage that they build products and they just keep building products, and, and sometimes they spawn them out. So that's what you're doing. In the manner of speaking, <laughs> I mean, it, it's not what we started out wanting to do. It's what we ended up doing, and we're pretty proud of it. You know, there's people who push CVs getting jobs for all of the time. There's people who piggy bank is helping save, and now there's entrepreneurs who front desk is helping be more digital about the way they run their business. Mm. And so, yeah. So, how much have you raised for the push CV and versus how much you? Piggy bank. So for Piggy Bank, we are right like in the middle of fundraising right now. But in April of 2017, we won the Village Capital Peer-to-Peer Accelerator Program, which gave us 50K. What's so, Peer-to-Peer Accelerator So um, the model is kind of different than normal accelerator. So you go for an accelerator program over three months. And at the end of it, all the invited startups kind of rank other startups based on who you think should get them. Oh, there's a money to be won. Mm-hmm. There's money. There's fifty thousand dollars for two startups. So you rank them based on some uh, provided fields like product market fit and all that terms like that. Growth, scale, exit. So accumulated. Who are the two startups that have like? And so you yeah. won that fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Was that the second money or the first one that was going into In, push CV directly into Piggy Tech, Piggy into, Bank, into Piggy, Piggy Piggy Tech? Yeah. Even though the owners of Push CV. Okay. So you, and that was raised on the board valuation or? It was raised without a particular set valuation. So convertible. Yeah. Notes. And then you're now raising another one. How much are you raising now? Right. So like right now, we're going ahead and raising $2 million because we wanted to raise a bridge round before, but the process kind of got stalled 
in a way, very complicated. So we now have grown past the goal for the bridge round. The goal for the money the bridge round was supposed to be, we've now reached it. So that was supposed so to be. So there's no need for yeah, the bridge round. Anymore. Exactly. Okay. So we now just move on to just raising the force. Are you there. actively raising that money yes. now? Yes. So what's the future of this? Well, uh, the future of it is to become the one-stop digital bank for African millennials. Oh, you want to be a digital bank? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. That's really interesting because um, I've talked to a few people that are looking at building a digital bank, but you're approaching it in, in, in the right way that you're building data, you're, you're having users, you have 32,000. 36,000. 36,000. That's a lot. So if you start a digital bank today, you have a base. You have a base and, um, and that's massive. So what is stopping you from doing that now? Again, it's just due process, right? It's due process. There's a vision and there's steps that we've outlined to get the vision. It's one of the things we learned from all the accelerator programs we've attended is there are steps, you know, there's when I was at Black Box in the Valley, a speaker came and told us about this, looking at your startup journey as kind of like a mountain hike. There's base camps, so you get. So we're looking at it exactly like that. Base camp one, base camp two, then the summit is mm-hmm. the digital bank. So the reason why we're not doing it now is because we understand that there is things to be established that will make the establishment of a, an eventual digital bank a, like, a process. So one of the things that we've, um, I would say, excelled at is simplifying the process simplifying the process you know getting people jobs supposed to be harder is what someone actually told me when we said we wanted to start receiving the person is like do you know how hard it was for jobberman to get started and in truth it was hard for jobberman right but with all due respect to them we have achieved a lot of what they've achieved in way less time so they educated the users for us so the process was much clearer so usually you shouldn't never be ashamed to admit that someone else did a lot of the work you get so right now we are now doing the work that they did then right so we will build on the back of this foundation that we're laying to then get to the big hairy audacious goal so the vision is to be a digital bank in yeah, Nigeria. you one stop not just for banking savings investments you know all of these things that Nigerians don't have that we take for granted. Healthcare, HMOs, insurance, all of youth, young people. But what are banks do that already? So yeah, I agree. What are the core things that banks do? They enable you to save money, they enable you to withdraw it, they give you credit. Yeah. Right? But and the things that they don't do is do all of these things in ways that fit the habit of... So your users are going to be tech-savvy millennials. Yeah. Oh, you know, we have users from outside that demographic, right? But the biggest demographic in Nigeria arguably right now is right and i don't know if you saw a tweet that victor asemota sent out is that outside of lagos there's not many bank branches it's almost like as if they're operating to the exclusion of the rest of the like the country and the one thing that is a unifier is technology do you understand so that's one of the things that we plan to leverage upon we don't have the money to build branches in every state but Technology will get to all the states. Android penetration, smartphone penetration is on the rise. Internet penetration is on the rise. You just need to take advantage of it. But at the moment, you're building on the back of people having a bank account. <laughs> yes, we are. And another thing I was saying is we have acquired a stake in a microfinance. But the details on that are still pretty under wraps. But that's one of the steps. I understand it was like, you need people to have a bank account. Yes, we do. For now, very soon, it wouldn't be a requirement. Right before, we needed people to have cards. Now we've moved on from that. Okay. Now we just require them to have a bank account. Very soon, it's going to be, don't worry about it. You don't have to have a particular bank account. You get So there is steps, like I said, there is steps, there is baby steps, there is big base camps, there is all of those things. 
just take it one day at a time and have like a clear vision. Yeah. Of, when you like, say you don't have a laboratory, you don't need them to have a bank account. Where would the original money go to? So, yeah. Before I can save or before, I mean, that's the essence of bank, right? You take physical value, transactional. Microfinance banks are allowed to collect cash. Okay. That's one. Okay, so uh, let me ask you a few questions about the tech startup ecosystem in Nigeria. Yeah. You've been involved in it since 2014. Of course, the obvious thing is that it has grown, so that's not a question here. But based on what has happened in the last years, where do you see this going? What's your view? Key things that will be happening in the future. Well, I will answer that question with what I hope will happen. Because in as much as I've been in the ecosystem for a while, I've also just been on the fringes. I don't go inside deeply, like very participative like that. So what I think and I hope should happen is that it becomes more inclusive. One of the things that I know is that like since I've joined the ecosystem, I've been hearing the same names. I want to hear... Um, is that a function of... Not just about people talking about them, but about what they're doing and, and the function of their business. It's growing. also a function of who gets the opportunity. That's the way startups are. That's because I get that. There's a power law that happens in startups. Yeah, but it, the thing about it is, let me use an illustration. I may be wrong, but it's just from my perspective, there's not enough new entrance or not enough, yeah, not enough new entrance being given, like being put in the spotlight. Is that me. that somebody has to give them the entrance? No, not really. Or no. that people are not building enough successful business to get to the top quickly? It could be any of those things. But my point is, there was a time when we were hearing about Facebook, then later Instagram came. Yeah. You know? And like, shut up like that. It, it could be because of the environment. It could be because of the economy. It could be because of the state of the nation. But I really hope that more people are encouraged to enter the ecosystem. Yeah. It's not any one person's fault. Yeah. Right? But there are always some breakouts every year, right? So last year, well, two years ago was... Paystack breakout. And I think Flutter we followed almost immediately, even though the same founder that I've been involved in certain things. And I'm sure there are other ones that broke out last year, maybe by the amount of money they raised or by the amount of traction they're getting or the kind of price they're getting. Yeah. But again, like you said, this emphasis on repeat founders like people who've done things before i would really like more chances to be given to like what you said vp is about to do more founders from their schools from their universities because i came straight from school mm -hmm. and it was nice to have been given the opportunity to prove that like i can do something even though i've not done it before yeah so yeah which is what startup investing is about to, to invest in people and ideas so what, what i talk about adventures platform is about to do is to actually hone in on the idea and the thesis around a founder yeah. the founders that have deep on understanding and insight about a product and how that product will fundamentally change your market because Ventures Prof have this big vision that what we actually move the needle in terms of venture investment are companies or businesses that are building products that will fundamentally shift mm. things in Africa exactly. and looking for founders that are building product to fit into that. And one of the key things about the founders are they are not always found in the most obvious places. So some of them are not always entrepreneur type, but they are smart people who have an idea and insight and they're giving the right support and exactly. to do that. So yeah, maybe we should break out of the stereotypical founder that we're looking out for yes. and, you know, go wider. You know, okay. be more open-minded. And that's a function of the investment because, to be honest, actually, VCs play God. Yeah. VCs play God. They decide who sometimes is going to succeed and who is going to fail. They decide to fund your company. Exactly. Then it might fail. I said to you just uh, And also, you know, maybe our investors should take just a teensy bit more risk. Okay. A teensy bit. Just bet on more people. Bet on more industries. Bet on more unfamiliar terrain. Because usually 
half the time that's where the money makers are bet on electricity you know let's leave e-commerce for a while i mean you know just do the unfamiliar push yourself like we heard a lot of investors saying we are here to make a difference you know we're here to invest in the people who no one is hearing but they end up investing in the same old same old because investors have the fiduciary responsibility to return their fund. <laughs> I get that. But if you're going to become a venture capitalist, you're going to be someone who is comfortable with failure. You have to be comfortable with failure. Yeah. I understand the need, the fiduciary responsibility to return money, but you have to be comfortable with failure. I'm not a VC. I don't have experience. Just speaking from a startup founder's point of view. If you're not comfortable with failure, then you're not going to take any risks yeah. and you make safe investments and you just bring back the exact thing. I, so, I think that's a point that to invest yeah. widely to take more risk because that's venture capital and means we, venture we, we wouldn't is, be here if someone didn't take a chance on us yes yeah on the yes. so i'm really 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 stubborn about that aspect of taking risks on people just because it really there's no particular format to it to predicting a startup that will be successful kind of have to believe in the people that the fact that the people you choose would do it and if you keep doing the same old same old it's the same the same result right and you know take a chance on people yeah someone took a chance on us fresh from school no discernible experience but we're here today there's more people like that yeah i come from a school where all we talk about is entrepreneurship that's like forms half of the entire conversation there and so there's lots of people who come from there with fresh ideas and we still need more people to take chances on people like that because for me nigeria it's only people who are entrepreneurial people who have clear visions that can help so yeah. yeah. To you, that's the future in which yeah. we should be looking. I'm going to end this conversation by asking you some series of fire and questions. And you're smiling. Do you know about those questions already? <laughs> no, not really. Okay. So uh, there are about four of them, and I just need to give straight answers to okay. that. So, what is your biggest business pain point at the moment? Right now, credibility. Piggy Bank is a financial services business, and one of the questions that come up all the time will they run away with me? And we're working very hard, very hard every day to make people feel at ease and that's one of the reasons why our marketing strategy a lot of the time has been peer-to-peer recommendation we let people who've used the product speak for the product so yeah what is your number one growth metric in piggy bank deposits the number of deposits number, that people yeah, give yeah. so is that something you're optimizing for people to do more deposits no 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 okay so it's just deposits monthly right so what we optimize for because number of users is equal to more deposits. So. But what about number of users increasing the amount of money that they save? That's from a marketing standpoint of marketing, whether it's with their pain or with shame or, you know, seven deadly sins or whatever. So, yeah, you can optimize for that. We also actually optimize for people saving for longer. Yeah. Okay. By the way, since you started this, there's another company that started doing that as well. Cowardly Cowardly ones. So what, what do you think about? Is there the only one doing it like you or the other ones that have started? They are the only ones. They're the only ones. Yeah, but... They have a twist. They would prefer not to charge people for withdrawing their savings. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, it's a really large market, so... Which book are you reading at the moment? Okay, so it wouldn't help anybody. I read fiction a lot. That's good, actually. Most people that come to this podcast, anyway, some people are reading fiction. I think people should be reading more fiction. I I read a lot of fiction. So which one are you reading? I'm reading All Fall Down by Jennifer Winner. What is it about? I like reading books with female protagonists. So Yeah, it's about a woman who becomes successful and becomes reliant on prescription medication. Okay, that's interesting. (laughs) 
That's interesting. Which business is getting you excited at the moment apart from Piggy Bank or any other one in your group? Does it have to be in Nigeria? It doesn't have to. Then I would say when I was at Black Box in December, I, mean, I was able to meet a couple of businesses, but the business is called, uh, it's from Sebastian. What does the business do? They help traders and merchants, usually people who have small businesses, optimize their POS transactions because it's based in Argentina. And what he does is, so credit card companies there pay the merchants very late. So sometimes the merchant cannot really trace, this is where this money is coming from, this is what is missing, all of that. So that's what his company does. His company helps them simplify that. I, I really, I, the name has fallen out of my head, but That's the founder good. is Sebastian Cardenas, model founder. It's like, yeah, he's a very interesting guy. That's great. Um, Odura, it's been interesting chatting to you, Thank hearing you. your story, knowing about the product and interacting with you uh, along this way. You are one of the ladies that is building the African future. And I Thank hope you. to see you build a bank as you, as you guys plan to do. I, I hope you see that. Uh, yeah, Thanks for coming to The British Council is the UK's international organization for cultural relations and educational opportunities. All opinions expressed by me and the podcast guests are solely ours and does not reflect the opinion or policies of the British Council. For more information about the British Council, go to britishcouncil.org.ng. Do you have an offer, a product, service, or message that will be ideal for entrepreneurs, investors, or corporate executives across Africa? Building the Future podcast can help you. This podcast has been sponsored by partners who want to reach super targeted audience of investors, entrepreneurs, and people who are in the process of starting their own business. If you or your company is interested in reaching those audience through this podcast, we would like to chat with you. We have sponsorship slots from three episodes up to one year. Send me an email via hello at the starter.com. That is H-E-L-L-O at T-H-E-S-T-A-R-T-A dot com. And we can take this further. You've been listening to Building the Future podcast by Dalton. These are the interviews with entrepreneurs that are playing a key part in shaping the African future. And you'll be able to hear all their stories. For more, sign up for the weekly newsletter at thestarter.com. Our revolution will be televised. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the show. Before you go, I have a favor to ask you, and it will take 30 seconds of your time or less. It will mean a lot to me. If you like this podcast, you can easily let me know by going into iTunes, Teacher, SoundCloud, or wherever you download podcasts and subscribe. You can also go to our website, thestarter.com. That is T H E S T A R T A and sign up for our newsletter. It will be a huge favor to me and it's really simple and easy. If you subscribe now, it will help us a lot. Thanks.